Who knows what Barnabas's real name was? I'm looking over towards Hugh now. Can you remember? Okay, turn to Act 4. Acts 4 and from verse 33. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them, for those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles' feet to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one that the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field that he owned and bought the money to the apostles. So this is the first time we meet Barnabas. And we don't meet him as Barnabas, we meet him as Joseph. He was a Jew of priestly descent. He was one of the Levites and he was, he was born in Cyprus, grew up in Cyprus, and he'd obviously come over to Israel and got saved. And he was now this guy who was passionate for Jesus. He was so moved by what he saw God doing amongst the church in Jerusalem that he sold some property back home, took the money and brought it to the apostles. So Barnabas was his nickname. It was a name that people decided that he needed because they saw this gift that was at work in him. He had this incredible gift of building people up with his words and with his attitude. Something about being around Barnabas made everybody grow. Grow in character, grow in faith, grow in passion. It was just what it was like to be around him. So the first thing I want you to learn from the life of Barnabas is this. This gift of encouragement is a gift. It's not just coaching techniques. He hasn't just read a book on how to make friends and influence people. Or, you know, five habits of a highly effective coach of a company or something like that. This was something that went right down to the very core of who Barnabas was. It was something of the Holy Spirit that was just leaking out of him wherever he went. In Romans 12, uh, there's a whole list of supernatural gifts. Uh, And encouragement is in there. Let's just look at it. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and from verse 6. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And thanks for doing that this morning. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage... Be encouraging. It's right there alongside prophecy and teaching. You need an anointing to do this. You need a a special grace at work by the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart to be able to encourage as the Lord has called us to encourage. It's not just being a positive person. Barnabas had this supernatural gift in spades. And people around Barnabas recognised that the Holy Spirit was powerfully at work in him to build up the church and build up those around him through this supernatural gift. 
So much so that in Acts chapter 11, they describe him as someone that is full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to Acts 11 because we're going to read that again in a minute. during the persecution after Stephen's death, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus, ah, I think I know who that is, and Cyrene, began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, They sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy and encouraged uh, the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. A good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. So that's the first thing. If you want to be like Barnabas, if you want to have this gift of encouragement that work in you, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You need to be strong in faith. You need to receive it as a gift from God. When you're full of faith and when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can impart what God has given to you. Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. And this has to work that way around. You have to receive that encouragement from the Father. You have to know who you are as a secure person in God. And then you can have the ability to then translate that to other people, to give that to other people as a gift. When we encourage each other with our words, it's good. When we encourage each other with his words, it transforms. So let's go for that. It's number one, it's a gift. Number two, if you want to encourage like Barnabas, start by encouraging the church. Have you noticed that it's very easy to run the church down? So many people knock the church, they run the church down. Where, wherever I go, sometimes in order to uh, have a conversation with me about uh, the new church that they found or this church, they have to run down their previous church in order to show the contrast. Does that make sense? And so often in the media uh, and in other public arenas, the church is often run down. It seems so easy to give the church a kick somehow. But it's not okay. It's not God. Yes, we've got to be real where things are not alright and we've got to talk about it in appropriate places. But there is a, 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 a strange uh, ease to be able to run the church down, which I, I just think is of this world. It's just not God's plan at all. The church of Jesus Christ thrives on encouragement. How do you like It's like pouring fertilizer onto a plant. That's why we preach every Sunday. That's why we go to places like Focus and Creation Fest and New Wine, places like that. Because when we are in that environment, gathered with other believers, to celebrate God and to celebrate being the church, and we encourage each other with powerful teaching and wonderful times of worship, we grow a little bit, don't we? That's why we do this every Sunday. That's why we share our stories. That's why we lift up Jesus Sunday after Sunday. And we need the church. 
Because these are places of encouragement. They're places where we grow a little bit. And there's not nearly enough encouragement in the world. We should be those who are the most encouraging people on the planet. Because I would say it's actually impossible to have too much encouragement. Have you ever been uh, in an environment where suddenly there's tons more encouragement going on? It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I remember when I um, went to Rwanda with Jonathan Conrad. We were over there doing a bit of a kind of old school mission crusade thing with a stage in the middle of this great big area in Africa and crowds came and John preached his heart out and loads of people gave their hearts to Jesus and we saw healings and all that sort of thing. It was, it was fun. But you know what really impacted me from that trip? It was hanging out with the team that went out there. There was a, a couple called George and Sally Abraham. And George was a Barnabas. He just had this gift of encouragement. First he wanted to know everything about me. On the plane on the way over, uh, he just couldn't ask me questions. He was so interested in me, which was a, you know, a bit of a strange feeling when someone just wants to know everything there is to know about you and about your ministry and everything like that. And there's something about that that was very affirming. That somebody wanted to know about me and invest in me. And then throughout the trip, he was just constantly, constantly, constantly encouraging me the whole way through. He, you know, I get up in the morning thinking, okay, this is going to be new. I haven't been out on the streets with, you know, these evangelists in this part of Africa expecting to see miracles. This is like stepping out of the boat for me. Because um, it's a whole new environment. He would just say things like, I think you're going to see some mountains move today. Aid, I can just sit all over you. You've got confidence to do this. He was like, you've got this. You, Jesus is going to go with you. You're going to have a great time today. And he was just... Constant fountain of encouragement. And I kept in touch with him. And George has got this ministry whereby he's got a network of people that he will just send a message to. And I'm just going to read you a couple of his texts. Okay. This is the sort of thing that lands by text message on my phone about once a week. He says this Unbelief is always focused on reality without the living God. Faith is always focused and fixed on reality with the living God. Our fellowship with God, based on his unchangeable promises, will produce rock-like faith that enables us to possess what he has promised. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. Regards, George Abraham. Next one. A spirit-filled believer, when facing a circumstance, is up for a fight and victory. An empty believer is up for a fright and defeat. We daily choose which type of believer we will be. Treat your circumstances to a spirit-filled you and then watch your salvation manifest. Regards, George Abraham. <laughs> That's just how he rolls. He's just like that all the time. He's just saying some encouraging words. He's just, he, all he wants is to build people up in their faith. And there are a number of you here in church that are like that too. You're just constantly building people up. Even yesterday, I had someone come around to my house because they heard I was going to speak on encouragement and they just wanted to give me a gift to encourage me. How cool is that? That doesn't happen all the time. But there are some of you who have made that your business to make sure you encourage. When you see that God is at work in someone, you tell them and you make sure they know about it. And the gift of encouragement is a tremendous gift to the Barnabas was desperate to encourage his church. In Acts 11... He does an extraordinary thing. If you still got your Bibles open. From verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. I just want you to pause and understand what's just happened. So Barnabas... Just check this in the Barnabas is so secure in who he is, and he's such an encourager. He's so focused on encouraging these believers that are in Antioch that he goes to find Paul to bring him back to work alongside him in ministry. Paul is clearly someone with massive anointing. He is probably the person in, he wrote most of the New Testament. Now, this is a guy that has got incredible anointing for healing, we read about. Uh, he's an incredible teacher, he's an incredible leader, he is a super apostle. And Barnabas hasn't got a shred of insecurity in him. He's going to bring someone with more anointing, with a better teacher, a better preacher, someone who's got the grace of God on him, incredibly powerfully, who's his natural leader of the church in Antioch. And he's going to go all the way to Tarsus to get Barnabas, Paul, to bring him to Antioch, to lead alongside him in his church. How many church leaders do you know that are that secure? It's brilliant, isn't it? It's the kind of church leader that I want to be, that I'm so focused on building up my congregation, that they get the best of the best of the best, that they get as strong as they possibly can in the Lord, that I'll bring anyone in alongside, even if they are way better than me at this. And actually, that's how we need to be as encouragers. We need to be singly focused on the people that we're trying to invest in. It's never about me. You can't be an encourager like Barnabas and be all about yourself and about how you are received. And about you being the big shot. You have to put yourself down. You have to forget who you are. You have to forget what's in this for you. And you have to be solely focused on investing in the ones that God has given you. And I love that in Barnabas. I love that in this man. That he is just singly focused. All he wants to see is his people grow in faith. And so he brings Paul in alongside. Amazing. So, if you want to be like Barnabas, ask God for this gift. Start by encouraging your church family. And number three, final point. Be determined to encourage the next generation. Barnabas was determined to see the best in the next generation, to see them reach their potential. Flick over to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 and from verse 35. So they've already had one missionary journey. And they've come back, they've shared about how God has poured out grace across the Gentile world. The Roman world is coming to faith. Uh, and they've seen all sorts of wonderful signs and wonders and miracles and whole cities turned upside down with Jesus. And they're now back in their sending church in Antioch. And it says from verse 35, Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. And after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. 
It's nice to know that there's a bit of upset in the early church, isn't there, sometimes? It makes you feel at home. <laughs> this is a serious dispute. I mean, Paul and Barnabas, they're like Batman and Robin. They were like a duo. They, they had been so fruitful in their first missionary journey. The world had never seen anything like what Paul and Barnabas saw on their first missionary journey. They're thinking of going out again. And they part ways. This issue was so important for Barnabas and Paul that they would rather go their separate ways than compromise on this issue. And what was the issue? It was about whether or not to take along John Mark, who had jumped ship partway on their first missionary journey. He just, for some reason, uh, abandoned the mission partway around the first time. And Paul, once you kind of understand them and, and what their, their primary ministry is, you can kind of get why this happened. Paul's primary ministry, his main focus, is to successfully take the gospel to the Gentiles, to succeed in the mission. That's what Paul is all about. Nothing should stop that from happening. And so, having had a bad experience with John Mark first time round, where he bubbled out for some reason partway through, he's like, I'm not going to compromise the mission again. I'm not going to take with me someone that might just opt out partway through. Whereas, what is Barnabas' primary calling in life? To encourage, to encourage, to encourage, to encourage, to invest in the next generation. So, this is a deal breaker for both of them. There's Barnabas. Barnabas said, there's no way I am rejecting this young missionary at this stage of his career. No way. There's no way I'm leaving this guy behind. He is called to the same work as us. He just needs nurture. And it's a, it's a deal breaker for him. I, I'm not leaving him behind. Paul is saying, there's no way I'm taking it. Not a chance. In case he compromises the mission. And so you can see the passion in these two men. You can see what their primary quality is, where their heart is based. And what they're willing to sacrifice in order to do what they feel called to do. And I kind of love that conviction, don't you? They're that passionate about what they're called to. But you know what? In this one, I think Barnabas is right. I really do. And you can kind of see how he's right because he shows up later on in the book of Acts. Uh, you see him, John Mark, faithfully working alongside Paul and then Peter in Rome. He pops up in 2 Timothy 4, Philemon 1, Colossians 4, and 1 Peter 5. Where in all of these letters, they say, greet the church from John Mark who's with us. So he did grow to be a key part of that missionary team in one of the hardest places in the world at that time to share the gospel in the middle of Rome. So he made it, which is amazing. But I think Barnabas was right not just because he could see that he was going to make it. I think Barnabas was right because he knew that he knew that he knew that the future and revival all was in the hands of the next generation. Does that make sense? It's always time to invest in the next generation. It's always time to somehow encourage the young to find out who they are in God and to build them up in faith. Always. It's never a time to opt out from that, ever. And I think he took his cue from Jesus. You see Jesus putting up with his disciples even when they mess up continually, even when they let him down on a daily basis. Does Jesus say, well, I'm not taking you with me anymore? Because you just really messed up that preaching opportunity there. Or you seem to kind of lose your way or get too big for your boots or whatever. I'm going to leave you behind. He never does that. He never just gets rid of people. He just keeps investing and investing and investing and investing. Why? Because Jesus knows full well that the people that are with him, the younger generation, are going to have the revival potential of the world in their hands as soon as he's gone. 
We cannot afford to stop investing in the next generation. We absolutely need to find ways to take what we have, just like, uh, uh, who is it that shared? Um, Jonathan. Just like that guy did for Jonathan, where he took his Bible knowledge and he just invested it in Jonathan, week after week, established that relationship. In that way, I'm looking at a wealth of Bible knowledge in this room. I'm looking at a wealth of life knowledge in this room. I'm looking at a wealth of supernatural gifting in this room. You're all walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the next generation need what you have. And God, by His grace, has allowed you to impart it. Your gifts that are given to you can be given to the next generation. Our job is to find out how to do that. And it's never a question of if that's important. It's always a question of how. Because there's never a bad time to encourage the next generation. Now there's an obvious way to apply this one. We have a shortage of volunteers in our youth groups. Couldn't resist checking that in there at this point. And it's a serious point. We've got tons of young people and children in our church. And we've always, always, always struggled to fill that rate. So if this has stirred you in any way, if you're on holiday, you can just move down here. Yeah, we'll still have you on the road. <laughs> if this has stirred you in any way, I seriously want you to pray about it. Could I just give one evening a month and then commit to pray for these young people? If, if lots of people here said, I can just give one evening a month just to come and get to know these kids and just to share something, encourage them in some way, and commit to praying for them that they would reach their potential in God, we would be in a different position. So would you pray about that this week? How, what can I bring to give to the next generation? How could I be involved? And if you're saying, well, yeah, I can make myself available, but I'm not sure how, just come and talk to us, and we will show you how you can take what you have and invest it powerfully in the next generation. But I thought, before we get that far, it would be fun to do a bit of a, uh, an encouragement exercise this morning. So I've got some new, I've got some other cards here. These say something slightly different. These to say, I just want to encourage you. So we're going to do some encouraging right now. Okay, you up for that? On the front, it's got an encouragement. You can have a little chuckle as we come down. It says, you can do it, you've got this. And it's a little mentally, sorry. It's not very funny. So I'm going to hand these out, uh, and I'm going to play a song. And it's just about a five minute song. And uh, I want to see how many of these you can fill out and give to people who are under 25 in the church. Okay, so this is great. There's not that many of them here today, so they should get loads. See if you can give an encouragement to as many people as possible who are under 25 in this church, because that's what we want to be doing. <laughs> 